Thank you so much for tuning in to Encounter AZ's podcast. We are believing that God is going to use this ministry to change your life. Now enjoy the message. I want to begin a series today that we talked about. We're doing 30 days of prayer. If you haven't uh, seen that on our social media, you can go follow us or like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram. And every day we're posting videos of our prayer focus for every day. And we're just joining together as a church this month just to commit to pray for different needs and also to pray for our church and our city and our own needs as well. So I want to invite you to come along with us on that. But we're starting a series today about prayer and it's called Earth to Heaven, Earth to Heaven. And uh, I, I thought of this name for the series because I just, uh, I remember being a kid and uh, I was a daydreamer sometimes. Anybody else like that where people would constantly say to you, uh, earth to Brent, earth to Brent. Like, are you here? Where are you? You're not even listening um, as a teacher or my parents or something like that. And, and often they, they wondered, are you even hearing me? And so I think in our prayer life, we can often wonder that about God, earth to heaven. Like, are you hearing me? Am I even getting through? And so I want to focus on that throughout our series. And, and the title of my message this morning, if you're taking notes, is Hannah's Drama. Hannah's Drama. We're going to talk about a specific prayer that this woman prayed. I think we can learn a lot um, about how she prayed and what she used prayer for. So we're going to read some verses in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Uh, we're going to read 20 verses. Is that all right? You're getting your Bible reading in for the day, Okay. This is an awesome story, though, so stay with me. It should be on the screen. It says, There was a certain man from Ramathim, a Zophite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, the, the, an Ephraimite. Anybody else want to try what I just did there? He, he had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penin, Penin, Penina. Sorry, it's a mouthful. Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me. And not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. And she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord and they went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. 
So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Amen. All right? All right, everybody caught up? Did you fall asleep there? I hope not. It's a great story. It's good stuff. And, and I want to ask you this morning a question, if you're like me. Is there anybody like me that you love making music playlists? Somebody that, like, you're about to take a road trip to Walmart, and you're like, I'm, I got this. I'm the DJ. Give me the aux cord, or, or I'm going to turn on the Bluetooth, and, and this trip to Walmart is about to be lit, all right? This ain't going to be a normal trip to Walmart. But I've always loved this. Does anybody remember CDs? Huh? Anybody remember those things? Um, maybe you remember going on Napster, like to make your playlist. There was a while there you thought you were going to jail, right? But, but you didn't. You made it. Or maybe it was LimeWire. Anybody use LimeWire? Some of you still have a warrant out for your arrest for LimeWire. But some of you remember that. But some of you will never know the sacrifice and the commitment it took to make a music, a literal mixtape on a cassette player years ago. I already lost Generation Z. You're gone. You never knew the struggle of doing this um, because we didn't have Napster, okay? We couldn't just go on Apple Music or Spotify. I had to go to my favorite radio station and I had to wait. I had to tarry on the Lord until my song came on. And you would wait and you'd wait and you'd wait. And then when the song came on, you pressed two buttons to start the recording and you just hope the DJ didn't talk over the beginning of your song. You remember that? And ruin it. And so we, we did this to make, to make these, set, these uh, mixtapes, and we'd finally be excited when you got it. It was tough, um, and you, you had to do all this to make your favorite music. I had a pretty diverse uh, taste in music growing up. Um, this was probably B.C., before I had a relationship with Jesus all the way, okay? And some of you, I, you may not believe it, but I loved, like, R&B in the 90s, okay? It was like the golden age of R&B. I know the 60s were probably better, but, but in the 90s, there was some music that I liked, and, and, and uh, I still can go back. I can't listen to R&B now, but you remember Jodeci? Anybody? No? How about Casey and JoJo? Baby, 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 baby. No, I, I can't resist that. Or boys to men. Come on, somebody. Um, what about, oh, you want me to sing? I've already sung Into the Road before. How about R. Kelly? Anybody remember R. Kelly? My mind is telling me no. All right, shut up, R. Kelly. I'm just kidding. Not going there. This is church, people. But in the 90s, in, in Phoenix, where I grew up here, it was all about Power 92. Remember, remember Power 92? And, and, you, and if I was going to get my song, you, you could do something, and you could call in, and you could, you could request it with the DJ. And me and my friend on Saturdays, we'd sit for like an hour on his waterbed. I'm telling you, you missed a lot. If, you, if, you, if you're Generation Z, you missed it, okay? It was an interesting time. We'd sit on his waterbed, and we would wait on the phone, and they'd say, hey, we're going to get you on live with the DJ, and we, we would wait, and we would wait, and we would wait, and the DJ never would pick up the phone. And so we sat there for, I mean, an hour or two at a time wondering. We kept calling, but nobody ever responded. And as I was thinking about prayer, I was reminded of this. Because I think we've all been through times where we feel like we're calling and we're calling and we're calling on God. But we're wondering, God, are you even there? Earth to heaven, are you listening? If you're honest with yourself, have you ever been there? Um, you've been praying and you don't feel like you got an answer from the other side? Because I think Hannah understood this in her time of pain. 
The Bible says year after year she would go and, they, and her, her husband would worship and they would sacrifice animals and year after year her rival would provoke her and she would pray year after year. But I want to look at how she responded to not feeling like she was getting through because if you read the story, you can sense her pain from the beginning of this story. And you could sense that she was praying and not getting through and probably wondering, God, are you even listening? Earth to heaven, can you hear me? Because from the beginning of the story, it's obvious this was drama, okay? This was pain. She was sharing her husband with somebody else. Can I get all the women to say, I don't think so? Um, This is the very first season of Sister Wives, okay? That's what this is. And in the scripture, we see this from time to time. And so, but I need you to know that God never instructed people to take more than one wives. In fact, when they did, it caused drama, okay? But the Bible's honest and it tells the truth. This is what happened at the time. And so just because it's in the Bible, we can't use that to think that, oh, God is okay with this. Trust me, I, can, I love my wife. She's enough for me, okay? Can I, can I get an amen? I don't need, I can't handle another wife. Can I say it that way in Jesus' name? I, I, wait, I went too far. I went too far. It's not all right. But not only does she have to share her husband, it's with Fertile Myrtle over here, okay? I'm telling if anybody else, can it be someone else? This girl, she's having all these kids, and they go to worship every year, and the Bible says that, that her husband loved her. Elkanah would give his other wife a single burger, and she would get a double-double. And because he loved her, she got a double portion. And, and that's, it's obvious that she was loved, but still she's child, childless. And I think I can feel what she's going through. If anybody here has been through a season where you had a hard time having kids, you know it is not easy. It is hard and trying. And Hannah was in this season. She was going through so much. And it says in the Scripture that her rival irritated her and provoked her. I mean, this, is, this has got to be the most frustrating thing. She's in pain, and if her husband even looks at this woman, her rival, he, she gets pregnant. But she's trying and trying, and nothing happens. Can I ask you this morning, how do you respond when someone else gets the blessing that you've been praying for? Because we can learn from Hannah how, how I feel like God wants us to respond. She responded in a different way. You see, she endured the humiliation of something she could not control. That's my first point, if you're taking notes. She endured the humiliation of something she could not control. This was out of her control. God knew the whole time he was going to bless her. The question is, how did she handle it in the waiting? Because we're not very good at waiting Usually, when we're waiting on God for something and we're seeing other people get that, uh, it frustrates us. Instead of having a mindset of, wait, the same God who blessed her with a child is going to bless me. I'm next. She got hers. Now, God, I'm believing for mine. We should be able to rejoice with those who get the blessing that we're praying for because the same God who blessed them is the same God who wants to bless me. So what do I have to be jealous for? God's got enough to go around, right? And so, so we see her and she was provoked. I mean, I can just imagine it. The kids asking their mom, Mom, doesn't Miss Hannah want kids? I don't know. Let's ask her. Miss Hannah, do you want kids? Mom, is there something wrong with Miss Hannah that she can't have kids? I don't know. Miss Hannah, is there something wrong with you or something? And I could just imagine the pain of what she was going through. And her soul is in turmoil, you see, because kids in this culture, they brought purpose to your life. And if a woman could not have children, and preferably boys, then they were thought of by their culture in the day of having no purpose for their life. 
Because a woman's purpose in that day was literally to have kids and preferably boys in case dad ever died, then the boys could support their mom because men actually brought all the finances into the home at that time. I know some of you girls are like, I hate this. Stop talking about this. But that's the truth. That's where it was. And so the culture at the time was telling her, you have no purpose. You have no worth. You can't have children. She was hearing the voice of her culture, and then she was hearing another voice who meant well, and that was the voice of her husband saying, aren't I better to you than ten sons? Isn't my love enough for you? And so we have these two voices uh, speaking into her life, and Hannah doesn't respond to either. But I need you to know this morning, we have these same voices today. There's a voice of a culture saying, if you don't have a family, if you don't have a career, you have no purpose. You have no worth, and we think we, get, we gain something from those things. And then we have the other voice that says, hey, uh, build your life on love because you'll find purpose when you find your soulmate. We hear things that sound good like, you complete me, in the words of Jerry Maguire. And then Disney doesn't make it any better when they say things like, one day my prince will come, and then, and then we'll walk off uh, into the sunset happily ever after. How many know when I got married, it wasn't like that? We got home, and I thought, oh, this is it. What do we do now? Wait, now we got to live together for the rest of our lives? And I'm telling you, there's something in our culture that says when you find your soulmate, you'll find your purpose. Young people, you believe this subconsciously sometimes without even realizing it. And I'm telling you, you cannot build your life on anything else other than Jesus Christ. The voice of culture is lying. The voice of love is lying. And Jesus is the foundation of everything you need in life. But we have these other two voices we have these voices that want to tell us that we can build our life on something else. But I'm telling you, anything else you build your life on other than Jesus is sinking sand. And it's going to let you down. And it's, going to, it's not going to fulfill the need that you think that it will. And Hannah, she, she understood this. She, she shows wisdom. And, and she shows uh, this character in her lifestyle we see in the story. Because she finds a deal, a way to deal with her pain. And it wasn't like many of us deal with our pain. She understood that there was something that God could help her with. She was dealt a hand she didn't like, but she didn't complain about it. She took it to God. How many of you know a complainer? Is there anybody who knows like a chronic complainer? Anybody? If you're not raising your hand, it might be you. So raise your hand real quick. Pastor Brent, I don't complain. Here's how you know if you complain. If you're talking about your issue with no intent on solving your issue, you're just complaining about it. And so... If you're talking about your issue with no intent on solving your issue, then you're just complaining. And I get so discouraged when people do nothing but complain. Because complaining can't change anything. And, you're t- and, and you can't control it, so why complain about it? We don't see Hannah complain about her situation in the story because it's out of her control. Can I tell you something? You can't control what your mom and your dad did, so don't even complain about it. You can't control every circumstance in your life. You can't even change where you are in life, so why complain about it if you can't control it? And Hannah, she didn't. She didn't complain about it. In fact, if you want to complain about something, I'm going to give you something to complain about. Complain about the choices that you've made. Complain about the people that you hang out with. Complain about the mistakes that you made in your life. Complain about yourself instead of other people because then maybe you can get somewhere because it's, it's humbling to look deeply at yourself. But, but we read scriptures like pray without ceasing. And we think, that's impossible. But yet we complain without ceasing, right? 
In fact, if you prayed this month as much as you complained this month, I think we could have a change in your life. I think God could do something. I think he could change your family and your situation if we'd stop complaining about that person and start praying for that person. If we stop complaining about our circumstances and start praying for our circumstances. I think God could do something. Hannah understood this. She didn't complain. She had every right to go to her husband and complain. She had every right to go to her girlfriends and complain. She didn't. She took her desires to God. Um, I, one thing I love about Hannah, the second point I have here, is she doesn't respond negatively to how she was treated. She doesn't respond negatively to her situation at all. And, and I think it's important that we celebrate Hannah for what she did not do. I mean, it says she didn't eat and she, and she didn't drink. And during that time, she was praying and, and she, she, her soul was in turmoil. But, but if it had been me and this, this person kept provoking and irritating me year after year after year. Come on, ladies. I know some of you. And what you would do if this person kept provoking you, you'd say, that's it. Hold my purse, Pastor Brent. Hold my earrings. This is about to go down because this person will not leave me alone. But she didn't respond that way at all. And I know some of you, if you don't think so, you're lying. I've seen you in traffic. Okay? I know how you handle when you feel like you're not treated correctly, when that person cuts you off. Come on, how many of you admit you're barely saved this morning? Anybody barely saved? Like you would cuss this lady out, right? In Jesus' name, okay? I'm just kidding. Don't do that. I'm just, Holy Spirit, come back. But she didn't use her, she didn't use her circumstances to fight back to this woman. She also didn't use her circumstances as an excuse to fall into bad behavior. I love this in verse 12 through 15. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Her circumstances were not used as an excuse to turn to her vices. Come on, if you're honest with yourself, some of you are looking for any excuse to fall back into old ways that it's not your fault. We make an excuse for everything. We make an excuse for our sin and say, Pastor Brent, it's not really what it looks like. You see, this is why it's okay for me to do what the Bible says is wrong. And we make excuses for it. Maybe not your sin. Maybe you make excuses for why you're so negative and you say, I just got to keep it 100, Pastor Brent. I just got to be honest. I got to be real. And you, you make excuses for the way you treat people and you say, I'm just an honest person. I just, got, I just tell the truth. That's it. Can I tell you, everything you say should be true, but not everything true needs to be said. Sometimes you need to keep your mouth shut and not treat people in a way that you think is justified by their behavior. Or maybe you make excuses for not spending time with God. I, I just don't like to read. I don't, I don't have time. I'm, I'm trying, Pastor Brent, but I don't really have time. You see, between all these different things, can I tell you, if you, we would stop making excuses for ourselves and start making excuses to spend time with God, I think we'd see change in our culture. I think a church would rise up that could change not only your family, but our city. I think God could do something with some people who say, I'm going to start making excuses to get into God's presence, not for not spending time with God. I'm going to start making excuses for holiness and not trying to excuse my unholiness and my unrighteousness before. God. Come on, people. Can we get serious and say, you know what? I'm tired of finding a line. The closer I can get to the world, I'm going to say, you know what? I want to see how close I can get to God. I'm going to make excuses to go in that direction and see what he has for me because I think God, this month of prayer, he's trying to stir us to say, you know what? My circumstances are not an excuse to turn from God. Like Hannah, my circumstances are an excuse to turn to God. 
the answer for my circumstances. And she spent time with God. And she goes after Him years after year. And she processes her pain through prayer. My last point this morning is Hannah never stopped asking or believing God for what she wanted. You know the scripture tells us in due season we will reap if we don't faint. And I believe that. I believe that year after year she kept asking God and God already knew that he was going to bless her. But, but it took her determination and her persistence year after year to not turn to these other things. And to, to treat her husband differently or to treat her rival differently or to, to react in, in turning to vices or different things. She understood she's just going to keep believing God year after year. And she says, God, if you give me a male child, I will dedicate him to you. And I love this prayer because this is not a selfish prayer. This is a prayer saying, God, the answer to this prayer is for your glory. Can I ask you something this morning? If God answered all of your prayers, would it change the world or would it just change you? Because Hannah's prayer changed the world. If you don't believe me, look at the story of Scripture. She prayed for this son. His name was Samuel. He was born to her. She went on to anoint King David, king over Israel. He was a prophet to the nation. Two books in the Bible are written by his names. First and second Samuel. This changed the very story of our salvation was written through this boy Samuel. All because of one woman who said, you know what, I go to God believing that my prayers can move the hand of God if they're prayed in His will. And she prayed according to God's will. The, the scripture tells us this. In 1 John 5, 14 and 15, it says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. Wow, that's an awesome promise from God, isn't it? That means that your prayers that you pray to God can change the world. Can I ask you something? Right now, do you feel conviction saying, wow, I'm wasting my time not praying? Because I do. When I start thinking about how much power is in prayer, and I don't even take my time like I should to actually do it more daily, understanding that lives and cities and the world can be changed. History can be changed by the prayer of one person who comes humbly before God. Hannah was nobody special. In fact, in that culture, Hannah was definitely nobody special. She couldn't even have kids. But the person that everyone else passed by, I need you to know God did not pass that person by. He saw that her heart and he knew he was coming after her, or she was coming after him and it was enough for him. I need you to know maybe other people passed you by and looked over you, but your prayers are heard by God and you can approach his throne boldly and say, you know what, God, I believe I have what I ask of you when I come to you. Can I get the worship team to come up, please? Hannah, she, she does something amazing. And I love this about her. She doesn't play the victim. And that's huge in our culture now. Everyone is a victim. She could have easily said, this is God's fault. I mean, the scripture clearly says God closed her womb. And so she could have blamed it on God, but can I tell you the victim mentality always starts with blaming others for your problems. 
I think we, when we allow others the authority to put us in a prison uh, and say this is their fault, then they're the only people who can give us the keys to get out. But if I take responsibility and say, you know what, I'm where I am, but God is in control. That person didn't make me mad. That person didn't make me do it. You know what, I'm going to take authority over those keys and say I'm in control of my emotions in my life, and I give it to God. They're not in control to put me in any cell anymore. I'm not a victim. God has spoken over my life. He has, he has freedom for me. She, she's not a victim. She doesn't complain about what she's been through. She doesn't talk to everyone about her problems. Man, if we talk to God as much as we talk to people about our problems, I think things could change. She takes her problems to God. She simply takes her desires and pain to God years after years, understanding He's the answer to her need. I need you to know God hears you. You can have an expectancy that God is going to answer your prayers, that he knows you, and even though you've seen other people get the blessing that you are waiting on, keep going after Jesus and giving him, letting him know all, of you, all your needs and all of your desires and make sure they're according to his will. Line them up with his will, and he'll answer your prayers, I promise. Last week I was driving in my car. My wife called me, in, and I had my kids in the back seat. And she didn't know she was on speakerphone, and she was at the store, and she said, hey, I'm, I'm going to get the girls those bows that they, they want for Christmas. I hung up on her like any good dad would right in that moment, because she didn't know she was on speakerphone, and I thought, maybe, maybe they didn't hear it. And so I turned around to peek, and my, my oldest daughter, Katie, she's nine, she had this big old smile on her face. She's like, well, I said, you're not getting them now, you heard, it's over, okay, that's, that's it. But can I tell you, that smile on her face spoke something to me. It means she knows we heard her. And she's expecting something come December. And I need you to know God hears you. And you can live expectantly knowing God has something coming for me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just declare every word of, your, of the scripture is true, Lord. And we believe that every word that we pray to you, we are in relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. And right now, we believe we could come boldly to your throne in every request made to you, Jesus. Every heart pain poured out to you, Lord, you hear it, God. Like Hannah, we understand that nothing on earth is the answer for our problems. We got to get a hold of heaven. Father, we just believe that you're the only answer for our issue this morning. You know, Hannah, she understood that prayer connects earth to heaven. And in return, we, like Jesus said, we can see heaven on earth. And some of you, you're here this morning, and like me, calling into that radio station, you've been calling, 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 calling. God, do you even hear me? Earth to heaven. I need you to know this morning that he's not going to leave you on hold forever, that he hears your prayers. Father, we just declare there's power in prayer. We declare that you are the, the power that we call on this morning. For every family member that we've been crying out for and interceding for, Jesus, we just believe you hear our prayers, and we believe there's a smile rising up in our hearts and expectancy, knowing that you are the answer for every issue. I'm going to close my mouth to people and open my mouth to God. Father, we believe this morning, Jesus, that we have the right and the authority to stand before you for men. And so we just take that authority this morning. Will you stand up to your feet with me? I want to ask you to pray with me for a couple minutes, and I want to ask you if you do something with me this morning. Will you pray 
to God and just say, God, I'm expecting something. You know my need. You know the need of my family, God, and it's for your glory. You know the need in my finances, the need in my life, Jesus. You know every need that we have, God, and we come to you, Lord, not only for ourselves, but for other people and for your glory. We want to change the world in Jesus' name. I want to encourage you as we begin to worship, do not quit in the waiting. God hears you. He's not finished with you. Will you worship him with me for a couple minutes and just say, God, I know you hear me. Father, we just declare this morning that you are here with us, Lord, and we're going to take this moment to use our words and pour them out to you in Jesus' name. Come on, worship with me.